Welcome to Salty Club Interviews. I'm your host, Caitlin Creeper, and I'm here today with Sasha Laurie. Sasha Laurie is the founder and CEO of BBXX, a digital platform for intimacy and well-being. She is also the host of the BBXX podcast, Let's Get Intimate which hosts provocative and entertaining conversations with experts in order to challenge the way our culture conditions us to talk about sex, intimacy, and healthy relationships. BBXX was created in order to help people better understand themselves so that they then can form deeper and more fulfilling relationships with others. Sasha, thank you so much for being here today. I am so excited. To start us off, could you tell me and our listeners a bit about yourself and how you came to build BBXX and your journey so far with that? Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yes, I can tell you a little bit about the lot of it. Um. Actually, just last night, I had dinner with a friend, and her friend came over who I'd never met before, and she, she kind of asked what I do, and then from there, I tell people, and then they ask a couple questions, and then there's always the, how did you get here? You know, how, <laughs> where did this idea come from? It couldn't have come from nowhere, Um and it definitely hasn't. It's it, it's been a really really long process. The kind of formulation of the idea and the kind of spirit and passion behind BBX sex. And so, I I generally tell people that the like version point oh one, not even like one point oh yet of BBX sex started um, when I was around twenty. Um, so when I was already in college, I'm from the Bay area. I went to high school in the Bay area and I never had a minute of sex education, of education about kind of even more broadly sexuality or relationships, communication, emotions, you know, and I'm from a place actually right outside of San Francisco. That's even more liberal than San Francisco. And I realized when I was 20 through a very interesting experience that I was pretty lost and I had no clue about anything. And I remember exactly where I was. I was driving down the street. I remember exactly what street. Um, it was San Rafael Avenue. And I thought to myself, oh, you know what? I know why I'm not having orgasms. It must because uh, it must be because I don't have a clitoris. And that was actually, that was literally a thought I had. I was like, yeah, the only, the only logical explanation is that I've solved the, 
the puzzle. The mystery to life is that I'm the only person ever born on this planet who doesn't have, uh, who you know, a clitoris. Um, and so, luckily for myself, um, I went home later that day. I utilized Google as a great resource, and I found my clitoris, and I confirmed it worked. And that was, and then I cried (laughs) of joy because I hadn't realized the amount of kind of shame and confusion that surrounded this whole area and all these topics. And I think it, yeah, it was the beginning of being able to understand myself through a different lens. And from then on, everything changed. I started talking to as many people as I could. I was always starting the conversations. I was hosting Wine Wednesdays at my house so people could come and talk about this kind of stuff or relationships or anything. And um, in college, uh, so now eight years ago, I did a project for an art class I was taking and the assignment was to, you know, do some written project assignment, but in a format that is unexpected. And so I created a cookbook that was basically the education you never got at home or in school. And it had, you know, interviews with people I had talked to about their experiences, trying to find out, you know, how uninformed, but also how misinformed people were, which can be even more dangerous. Um, and you know, funny stories, tips and tricks. It was a combination of like storytelling and science and research. I did a lot of research, um, and put together this cookbook. And actually now that we're here talking about it, I forgot about this. I presented at, for the project, it was a performance art class and I put on a faux cooking show where I dressed up (laughs) I had, like, clothing underneath, but one of my roommates had this, like, lacy apron, this, like, lingerie apron that she happened to have and, like, put that on into this whole cooking show where I invited on guests to, like, anyways, it was, it was kind of like an infomercial for the book, and (laughs) there's probably an absurd video of that somewhere out there in the darkness of, like, old smartphone videos, um, But everybody in my class, you know, people came up to me after this and they were like, I need, I need this. Um, like, can I get an extra copy and maybe a few for all of my friends? And so that was, that was the beginning. And that's when I started realizing that I wasn't the only person who was utterly lost and confused and infinitely curious And so from there, I always had the intention to go back to that book, but then I um, took a year to study abroad in which I learned a lot about communication and it wasn't the kind of a cross-cultural shock because we went to a lot of developing countries, a lot of different countries. It was the within group shock and how people were coming from such different places and speaking. Everybody was from the U.S. and spoke English, but 
we were all speaking such different emotional and communicational languages and there was a lot of tension and a lot of misunderstanding and that's when I started becoming kind of really fascinated by um, and started admiring the importance of communication and then I was working in LA in commercial production and I had studied psychology so it's always been kind of a combination of those skills and curiosities and creativity that has kind of lent itself to BBXX and so over a couple years I was kind of developing the idea and honing it in and wanting to take the book and create kind of more of a movement and and kind of something bigger and broader and and more digital and in 2016 I got a phone call from my brother that uh, I had, we had lost our mom in a, in a, a fatal fluke skiing accident. And I, I, I died inside. <laughs> like I went into such a deep, 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 dark place. And my parents have been divorced since I was one year old. And you know, my mom in some ways was kind of a mother and a father figure um, in a lot of kind of social roles and, and, and kind of, I don't know, just in so many ways she had really, she is the reason I am so much of who I am. And I, yeah, I went to a really, into a really deep dark hole and it was in that time that I realized that not only, you know, were my close relationships the only thing that helped me and continue to help me through all of that, I, I literally don't know where I would be without, you know, everybody who's been there for me. I definitely wouldn't be doing what I am with BBXX, uh, nor have made it kind of to this point where I am today. But it's really the only thing that kind of matters in life. You know, everything else is just noise. Yeah, there's stress from work. You know, there are all these other issues and complications and money. And those are all, you know, huge. But as long as you have kind of the the basics, beyond that, you know, everything that brings us value, that motivates us, that, you know, gives us confidence and, and purpose in life is tied to our, our close relationships. And so I became pretty obsessed with helping people, wanting to help people realize that and trying to equip myself and, and others, you know, with the skills to try and help them do so. Cause I truly believe that better relationships equals a better life. Hmm. There's a quote on the BBXX Instagram and it says relationships aren't a distraction from work. Work is a distraction from relationships. And I feel like that's so counter to what culture wants us to believe and strive toward. Yeah, and I think, and that can go even, you know, beyond work because, you know, now we have, especially with our phones, it's like, 
you know, you can be anywhere. Your headspace can be anywhere, you know, your, your, your thoughts, uh, what you're talking about. And I think that that quote, I mean, I can relate to it even, you know, it's, it's funny. We have to practice what we preach and we do, but you, you know, you have to sit there and remind yourself too, that, you know, why are you doing what you're doing and what's really more, more important. And so I think it's quotes like that, that kind of break everything down and in such a simple way, lay out, you know, the question, what are your priorities? And if people truly and honestly ask themselves what they should be, um, I think it's pretty easy to recognize it, but it's not as easy to enact that. And so, yeah, I think it requires those reminders on a constant basis for us to, you know, be able to stick to that. But at the same time, you know, once you make those changes and, and really start putting in the the effort and the commitment and the, you know, putting the value to the things that matter most, uh, you realize how much the other stuff doesn't matter and you never really want to go back to, you know, scrolling through social media instead of asking real questions to the person sitting next to you or, you know, working late apart from obviously, you know, exceptions and all of that. But once you really learn to tune out the noise, it becomes a lot easier to focus on, on, you know, the soundtrack and how to create the best soundtrack for your life. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think of times that I've used work to actually avoid relationships and avoid intimacy and kind of use work to sort of protect myself, like using the excuse, oh, I need to work and avoiding potentially a new friendship, a new relationship, a new experience because putting yourself out there for a new friendship is more vulnerable than something safe like, say, work and doing something new. Yeah, and I think that obviously, you know, there's a balance because, you know, sometimes I sometimes I find myself saying yes to things where then, you know, after the fact, like, well, maybe I actually need to learn how to. So it's you have to learn to walk the line because I actually earlier this, oh, it's 2020, last year realized had the realization that I was maintaining going out of my way to maintain relationships that weren't bringing value to me and that were actually sucking energy from me uh but I you know the idea of conflict or the idea of you know letting a relationship end gives me anxiety and so I like to try and work to, you know, maintain them and carry them on. But I have realized that past a certain point, uh, it better serves me not to do that and just let them be. And so, again, I think kind of there's a, a scale. But yeah, I think people really, you know, it's easy to hide behind excuses or other activities or, or whatnot, um, and to avoid putting yourself out there. So again, it's what you make time for. And so I also last year, 
decided to ban the word busy from my vocabulary. I hate it. I, ha- I hate what it stands for. And so I decided that busy is the new basic. And it's just this like boring default answer to something that gives me no information. And yes, in some instances, it, it works as a word or a state of being. But as an emotion, as an answer to the question, how are you? Th- that doesn't tell me anything. And it's not, you know, it's not an emotion. You can be maybe overwhelmed or stressed or anxious. And, you know, I want to know more. And especially, I think, as an excuse when people say, oh, I've been really busy. Sorry, I didn't, you know, couldn't write you back or sorry, I didn't do that. That's really fine. I mean, how many things do I want to do every single day that I don't get through? Five million hundred thousand. Um, But I think certain people also at the same time as being so busy, you know, if you have an hour to watch Netflix and an hour to scroll through Instagram, you know, what's your definition of busy? Do whatever you want. But we have control over our time and energy and where we put it. Yes, there are limitations. Yes, not 100%. But we have time for what we make time for. And so instead of like, I couldn't do that, I can't do this, you know, I, no, it's just, I haven't, you know, if I haven't done something that somebody has asked me for, I prefer to say, I'm so sorry, you know, I haven't made the time to do that yet, because that makes sense. That shows that I still have control over it. And maybe it's something that, you know, really is never going to be a priority, or maybe it's something that, you know, something else really big has just, you know, been overshadowing. But I don't know. I would challenge people to change a bit the way they're they're thinking and kind of more reclaim, you know, your time and energy and recognize you can choose to do whatever you want with it. Maybe you want to make time to sit on the couch and do nothing for five hours. That is great. You know, do that if that is what feels good, if that's what you need. Um, but you know, recognize that it wasn't, uh, you know, an accident that, you know, whether consciously or not, you have that choice and you can make it and maybe you have, um, versus, you know, I was so busy (laughs) sitting on the couch scrolling through Instagram. I couldn't respond to, you know, (laughs) your one question. I don't know. I think I, I think I can be not because I'm not meaning to be critical in anywhere. in in any way. I just love to just try and look at things from a different angle, different from my own, maybe different than, you know, the general population and just try and flip things, not even on its side or upside down, but like around like a Rubik's cube to try and, yeah, just examine things differently to try and learn. Mm, I love that. And I really resonate with that because I'm back in Perth where I went to high school. I was back for the Christmas holidays. I'm back for another week and I have had people messaging me and this is people I haven't caught up with in maybe four or five years or people maybe I worked with briefly saying, let's catch up and and I've ignored a lot of messages and then maybe I'll get back to them three or four days later doing that exact same thing like, I'm sorry, I've just been so run off my feet. But 
I am totally available to reply to my boyfriend or my best friends, like however many times they text me in a day. And I feel like that's been a form of almost running from from myself and then just being sitting down and just admitting to myself, it's not a priority for me to see these people. And instead of running around in circles, like, and then apologizing profusely, just, I mean, admitting to myself, this isn't a priority for me. Yeah. And I think the apology kind of undermines it for yourself and for the other person too, because it's not truthful. You know, it makes it seem like, oh, you know, this, I don't know, versus saying, you know, so sorry, I've really been taking the time to focus on spending time with my family or, you know, um, great to hear from you. You know, I'm really uh, working on you know, this, whatever project it is with work or, uh, again, cause that to me is, is more honest and demonstrates your actual intentions and values and priorities. And I, I don't think somebody can be offended by you telling them what you value. Um, and my voice is cracking and, Versus, you know, apologizing profusely and then continuing to not respond and being in this weird cycle where you're making fake plans that are never going to happen. It's like being the flaky person who's dating someone and isn't into it and doesn't want to be the asshole. So you just keep coming up with these kind of excuses. (laughs) But you're exactly so you end up being more of an asshole than if you just didn't like maybe just don't write anything or you know try saying something honest I mean if you're never gonna talk to the person again anyways and this is now we're going into dating and not you know friendships but um I think people spend so much time worrying about the consequences of of relationships and how to act when they're already assuming that they're going to end or know they're going to end and it's like then why are you so concerned about you know maintaining this I don't know lie or whatever or misleading the person um if, if you're heading to the same end of the story anyways like if you guys are never going to talk anyways if you like them you might as well try reaching out again and ask them if they want to hang out or you know take a leap of faith and then if they don't respond or if it doesn't work out you're gonna be in the same place anyways but you won't be sitting there wondering what would have happened or still thinking about reaching out to them or not you know um and so I think um with those friendships and reconnecting with people, you know, from the past, again, it just goes back to, you know, trying to think about even something as simple as, you know, will I be really happy that I went and did this? Am I going to feel better? Am I going to be in a better mood? You know, will this be fun or will I learn something? Um, And so I think I say this for you know, usually dating, but it probably applies to a lot of relationships. I think they either have to be fun or you have to be learning something. And ideally they're both. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I think it's also important to recognize that there are people that we grow apart from, from our past and that's fine. And maybe we'll, you know, should we judge a friendship and our effort 
reflected on what the friendship was or what it is now or what it has the potential to still be in the future. Um, I, I think about that a lot because uh, we do have such a limited, you know, bandwidth for maintaining all these conversations and everything. And I used to be the person, you know, who's the best at that and always, you know, reached out and checked in with, man, when I was in LA driving around, I would make phone calls all the time and, you know, would probably be in touch on a weekly basis, like via phone with like 20 different of my closest friends, you know, and then moved out of the country and da 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 and starting my own company. And you really have to choose, you know, where to put your time and energy. And in no way does it mean I'm putting less time and energy into my relationships. There are just some that I really, really, really value deeply. And it's that kind of 80-20 ratio where, you know, 80% of the products bring or 20% of your products bring 80% of your money or it's the 20% of whatever it is in life. This theory, I forget the name of it, brings 80% of the value. And so, you know, you kind of have to figure out what those are and really make sure that you make the time and energy for them. And sometimes people from your past, you know, sometimes we grow apart and sometimes we grow together which I think is really interesting. I've reconnected from with a few people who I wasn't that close with in the past. And, you know, life circumstances change, we change, our interests change, and where we are just so on the same page, on the same wavelength now uh, in a really cool way. So I think there still are opportunities for reconnections and we should still keep an open mind. But always while making sure to, you know, reflect on what our values are and therefore what we should prioritize um, to make sure those kind of closest to us and who um, need us most and who we need most really get the time and energy they deserve. Mm, I agree with that and that lands with me so much because I know for me, trying to build a community overseas and also a community that just feels really good sometimes I think there can be this perception that it's just like you walk out your front door and you should have this giant group of friends and that's what community is and the reality is like you said sometimes you have to end friendships or step back from friendships or sometimes you start to realize some friendships don't feel good or like you said you don't feel like you're learning or moving in the same direction and and how have you found kind of making a community that feels really good for you in the past few years? While living abroad specifically, do you mean? Yeah. Um so it's been it's been interesting because I think people are kind of open-minded and looking to meet other people abroad in a way that we do have in the U.S. a bit because people there love love to meet people. Um, but it's the type of meeting people where you have, you know, 100 acquaintances and all these people, a lot of talking about meeting up and maybe not always actually doing it. Or you meet up, you know, once a month for coffee and like catch up. But for me... I need relationships where I'm not just playing catch up. I need relationships where you are connected enough and kind of 
may obviously not, you know, every detail, but you share what the Gottman Institute refers to, and they refer to it as, um, for couples, but I think it can go for, you know, family or friends where you kind of know each other's love maps, which is kind of the map of, you know, what emotions are you experiencing? What stages are you in? What are your circumstances? Where are you at? What's going on around you? You know, who are you or that person's closest friends right now? You know, what arguments maybe are they having? Um, and so I think really being in touch with each other's worlds, at least in, in some way, uh, to make time for either having phone calls that, you know, don't have a, a set time or, or purpose and you're kind of, or time if it's in person to sit around and, and do nothing or walk around and, you know, talk about whatever. Cause those are the conversations that interest me the most. When you run out of things to just simply catch up on, then you can get into the deeper, weirder, funnier, you know, more interesting and dynamic stuff that I feel like feeds a friendship, you know, catching up on just surface level stuff that, you know, maybe any, you know, whatever XYZ person you're going to chat to in a day that you don't even know is going to ask you about, that doesn't feed a friendship, or at least not for me. Um, and so I think that that's kind of a bit of the difference. And especially when you're abroad and maybe you have less friends. Um, but if you can find a core group, I mean, you don't need that many. I think there's, you know, research that shows you really just need kind of like two or three people who are close to you. And here we are trying to have, you know, hundreds uh, but like keep our distance or, or not, you know, make time for it to, to be closer. And so luckily I think abroad, I, I did find that community and I got, had such a different experience that actually when I moved back to the U S, uh, into the Bay area where I'm from and know a lot of people, I found it really overwhelming and I found myself missing having that small core group of people who I saw literally three times a week, <laughs> you know, without even trying because it's Latin America too. So you're not scheduling all these plans and coordinating. It's kind of like, what are you doing to tonight now? Um, and you live closer. And then I went to the Bay area and everybody was so spread out. And you know, when you have like 20 to 30, like friends, like close fr ish, like close friends, <laughs> Then I found myself, I felt like I actually saw nobody. And even if, you know, you try and see one, you know, I don't know, go out five times a week to meet up with somebody, you'd still only be able to see somebody, you know, once a month, which, um, yeah, isn't fulfilling. And so it was kind of that that forced me to really reflect on that kind of concept um, of, of friendship. And so I, I think I'm still figuring it out too, but I know that what is important is having that core group, you know, and those people with whom you, you know, share your love maps. Um, those kind of people last night, somebody made a joke about, they were talking about, yeah, I was trying to figure out where to move and, you know, couldn't was thinking of a city where you know people were in the first row versus friends in the second row I was like oh you know 
oh, so first friends in, like, first class versus the, like, economy. Uh, or, like, VIP. She was like, yeah, VIP, you know, bottle service. <laughs> um, but, you know, having that core group and then I think it's amazing to have a huge community and to maintain old and new friendships and to, you know, reach out and, and have a concept of other people's maps. But you really need to focus first on those people who, you know, are going to pick up the phone, as my godfather says, you know, when you call somebody or when you need somebody or something like who's going to pick up the phone in the real way, not just in the way um, where, you know, oh, can I call you back or da 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 or like, can I text you back? Uh, you know, who, who are those people that if something went wrong, they would be on a flight tomorrow to see you to, you know, wherever you are. Those are the, those are the friendships you need to hold as closely as you can for life, or at least for the part of your life, um, that they have helped form. And, you know, sometimes there are moments where people come into our lives and they, help us in these certain ways and you know we lend ourselves to to forming part of who they are and who they become and where they're going and we play an important role in their life as well and sometimes people leave our life in different ways um and it doesn't change the role that they played and the importance that they did um and so sometimes that happens but then there are people who you know they're in it to win it and, and you need to do the same for them. So think about who's going to pick up the phone and make sure that you do when they call you, not on like a small daily basis in a, you know, big metaphorical way. Like, yeah, like being there. Yeah. Just being there. Yeah. You know, without pretense, without like, Oh, what do you need? Oh, what happened? Or da da da. You know, if you were like, I need, you know, to talk or I need, something that, you know, the, <clears throat> for me, I think that family, um, obviously in terms of like being blood, blood related, uh, by definition, but to me, my family, a lot of my family is also people I have no blood relation to, you know, they're friends who have formed kind of like become a part of who I am in a way that it goes much deeper than I'd say, you know, friendship, just, just normal friendship. And those people that kind of won't ask questions, you know, and that if you do something wrong or something happens, they're still there for you. And for me, that is, is family. And so if that helps for people to think of it in that way, you know, think of who's your family, um, and treat them as such. Mm -hmm. because with your family you're not always dressing up for them and trying to impress them and trying to you're yourself and they see you through all your seasons and you feel safe in that and I guess that's the difference between I mean those true deep really good friendships the ones you want to keep close for life as opposed to I don't know maybe the more fleeting ones or the ones you don't want to dedicate too much time to And I think they'll be there for you, you know, without question, but they'll also call you out on your shit at the same time. 
you know, they know you well enough to not let you get away with stuff uh, in terms of, you know, trying to do things that aren't authentic to, to you know, who you are. Yeah, they'll they'll help uh, keep, keep you honest in the sense of um, sometimes it's tough love, um, but sometimes we need that. And so, yeah, I think family is... Family is kind of love without pretense or, or, yeah, without as much expectation to and measurement. I think it's important to, just the other day somebody was explaining a relationship to me and how they didn't, you know, feel it was um, balanced, but they were referring a lot to kind of favors or money and, um stuff like that kind of more materialistic things but I think you know emotional work is huge too and I also think that those familial relationships be it with you know family or friends uh shouldn't be measured (laughs) closely you know because yes if we're spending money on big things you know if we're da 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 it's clearly out of balance but you know, we all have times where we need the other person more and they're there for us. And, you know, maybe we need them less in other times, but that gives us more energy to be there for them. And so the, these trade-offs are over time um, and I don't think are always very easily measurable nor should be attempted to be. You never know what's going to happen and where life is going to go. And... um you know, we need to let people be there for us when they want to be. And so I think it's different if the circumstances are different and, you know, we're asking, asking, asking of somebody when, but when people are offering, offering, you know, you need to let them in. That was part one of my interview with Sasha Laurie of BBXX. I hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for part two where we'll dive into sexuality, relationships and what makes good sex. The Salty Club is your online optimised wellness platform for adventurous women. For $9.99 a month, you have access to surf-inspired workouts, yoga classes, guided meditations, recipes, workshops and interviews just like this one. And everyone gets a seven-day free trial. Visit thesalty.club. That's thesalty, S-A-L-T-Y, dot club, C-L-U-B.